and welcome to That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. Hello, Ryan. How are you? <laughs> Very good. I'm quite stressed out. Um, yeah. This is our second attempt at recording this episode, <laughs> dear listener. <laughs> this is the first time we've ever had to stop a recording and start again. The it first is. time in 71 episodes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not often we have to do this. Um, I think we said when we were starting out the podcast that we we don't want edits. If it, if we fuck up, we fuck up. We want that to be in there for you guys to listen to. Like, we just we just go for it. So it's very rare that we have to stop and start again. Yeah, luckily we only just made it past the intro, so we were good. We're good. We did, yeah. Um, yeah. So a uh, uh, bit of background for those that can probably hear i have a brand spanking new microphone um with a new interface system and i'm not uh i, I don't know how it works basically I'm, I'm learning as i go i'm trying to figure it all out um so we were having a few issues but we figured it all out we hope we figured it out so um yeah we'll find Bear out at us. the end when we come yeah. to edit we will find out. So let's just persevere. Uh, how was Christmas, James? We, we we have briefly just spoke about this, but for everyone else, how was mm. Christmas? Uh, my Christmas was quite nice, fairly unchanged. So yeah, it was a nice little time. How was yours? Aye, very good, very good. I was uh, very spoilt, lucky me. Um, New Year was in tier four, so we all had to sit indoors and just watch a drone display on the TV over the River Thames, which was quite nice. I nice. thought that was really nice. Yeah, if I anything, I thought fireworks. it was better than the normal fireworks. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Because I thought they were telling a story in the, star- the sky, and I was like, this is great. It, it almost shows um, sort of like a transitional period. It's like, oh, we, we used to like just things that explode, but now we like a little story and little drones. Yeah, they should keep it every year. Keep it I every like year, it. and th- like in the sky, you can show the highlights of the year, which I think would be great. Mm, I like that. I liked it very much. Uh, any, any New Year resolutions for 2021? Um, I'd like to be healthier in mind and body, specifically mm-hmm. body. Yeah. Um, let myself go a little bit. Um, any New Year's resolutions? I just, I just think have a, have a damn good year and make sure others are having a damn good year as well. Because let's be honest, last year was, uh, I don't know, some stuff happened, didn't it? So Some stuff happened, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll just learn to grin and bear it this year and everything will be great. What about you? I uh, pretty much the same. Just just have a good year. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the little things more so than anything. Um, that's something I've learned to do in 2020. Enjoy the little things. Um, you know, things where like you can't go out and spend money and doing these particular activities and whatnot. So enjoy going out for a nice walk and taking pictures of nature and shit. I really like going out for walks now. Like yeah. I really enjoy it. Mm, something quite nice about it. Um, yeah, I think it'll be one of those things that I keep after coronavirus goes which is a sentence i've said a lot the past year yeah there's a lot when that. coronavirus goes i'll do this when coronavirus goes i'll do that and coronavirus doesn't seem to be going if anything it's getting worse it does seem to be getting worse although we do have two vaccinations although having said that we do now have two vaccinations we've got the uh, pfizer vaccination and the astrazeneca vaccination which is now being mm. implemented across the uk which is fantastic although you want to tell our higher ups that we didn't invent it apart from the second one that we partially invented with them anyway uh, they're claiming mm. that we are the country that just beat it all uh, it would just happen to be the first ones to distribute it anyway uh, apparently the vaccine cannot stop the spread of said disease 
anymore. Oh no, it'll just it'll just not give you horrendous symptoms. Right. Uh, so yeah. So you can still that. pass it on. So, but I but, think that's the same with most viruses and things. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, listen, I'm all for it. Let's just do it. I can't wait to get the jab. Jab me arm. Yeah, but there's one thing I read this morning that you know they're gonna stop um, giving people the second jab so soon and going just giving loads of people the first one. Like some people are for that, and I've seen some quite alarming things that are against it. Like there's some big like doctors' unions that are saying that's the sh- most stupid idea of all time. Oh, is that like uh, when doctors tell you to take the full course of antibiotics rather than half of it because it would just make it a super disease? Yeah, this is the thing. People are going to be 50% protected at what point the virus has a chance to look at your body and go, hmm, there's a half-assed like, antidote mm. or uh, vaccine or whatever. Let's mutate to make this not work. And then all of a sudden we're at square one again. Mm. Basically, just keep wearing masks. I would much rather it take us more time to get people vaccinated and do it properly than just like ram it out as quick oh, as possible it. and us just not move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, I completely agree. Well, we'll see how that goes in 2021. On the plus side, James, we are now a sovereign country. Do you feel more sovereign? Um, I woke up this morning and uh, I, I, I faced towards Parliament and I, I thanked them for letting me be British and live on this great island. Yeah, um, yeah. I looked up a picture of Europe and I stuck my middle finger up at it and said, <laughs> no, we're not part of you anymore. <laughs> and then I went fishing, Ryan. I went fishing in our waters, our fishing. bloody waters. Yeah. And I saw the uh, Navy boats patrolling, getting ready to blow up those pesky <laughs> French fishermen. And I thought, God, it's good to be British. It's yeah. bloody good to be British. No, it's fucking horrendous. I hate everything about it. No, I, I feel exactly the same as you. I woke up this morning. I saluted a picture of the Queen. Uh, I walked into a French bookstore and burnt it down. Um, it was a good morning. <laughs> it was a good morning. Yeah. <laughs> I've also decided to exclusively wear suits of armour now. <laughs> We're going to reenact the Battle of Agincourt, aren't we? Yeah. I think I might become a Knights Templar. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Um, no, uh, it, it's a bizarre time, and uh, we're now able to do many things, apparently. Except I saw, um, I've literally just seen a tweet of this uh, woman who was like, my parents voted for Brexit, and then they decided to move to Spain, and they she got a text being like, can you help us set up Sky? And because of EU restrictions now, they can't get Sky in Spain. Oh, really? Which I think is just wonderful. I think that's just wonderful that they voted for this and now they can't watch television. It's such like a minor inconvenience, but it's such like a little ha. It is. It's something that like I personally like. I, I like the idea of living in another country, but the idea of my TV being different freaks me out. I hate uh, <laughs> being on holiday and watching TV. Hate it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just crap. The whole thing. Hmm. Yeah, well, maybe we should go back to a time where there isn't so much TV, like maybe uh, the 1960s, which is now how I'm going to segue onto our episode. (laughs) Oh, Uh, very uh, nicely done. Yes, well, we are going to talk about uh, the murder of Sylvia Likens, uh, which to me was uh, a story I'd not heard of. I was recommended this story, um, and uh, the more I've read into it, the more I find it just so fascinating and dark and awful and just wish it had never happened. Uh, do you know anything about this at all? I have no clue whatsoever. Never heard of it. Excellent stuff. Well, that's that's just dandy, isn't it? Right, well, let's just crack on, shall we? Um, in this episode, we will cover one of the most sadistic cases ever heard in the state of Indiana in the USA. A case where one woman 
was able to implant her sadistic ideas into the minds of not just her own children, but the children in the surrounding neighbourhood to such a degree that the murder of a 16-year-old girl was the outcome. So, let's start from the beginning. Sylvia was born January 3rd in 1949 in Indianapolis in Indiana. Uh, her parents were Lester and Elizabeth, or Betty as she preferred to be known. Uh, they both worked the carnival circuit and thanks to either Lester's super swimmers or Betty's overly hospitable environment, they sired five children within four years, uh, which is quite, quite alarming if you were the dad, potentially. Uh, their first attempt gave them twins, Daniel and Diana. Then came Sylvia, followed by another set of twins called Benny and Jenny. Can you imagine having two sets of twins? Like, how unfortunate slash lucky are you? Two set, Yeah, like, one set of twins, you can kind of be like, I can financially deal with this, that's okay. And then... Another set is a bit crazy. You ever seen Parks and Rec? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> so Ben and Leslie are like having having kids and he's like an accountant and he just plans his life so meticulously and he does all of his finances on spreadsheets and he's like, we can afford one child, this is great. Then they find out they're having triplets <laughs> and he's just there with like over spreadsheets being like, we can't do we this. Can't. This is financially not viable. Uh, yeah, I imagine it's such a shock to parents when they're expecting a child and they're like, Let's go for our first scan and have a look at our baby. And it's like, there are two here. What? I think, but then there's something about twins. Like, I think it's great that they'll just always have that person that just knows them more than anyone else. I think they're very lucky. Oh, absolutely. I, I grew up with two twin sisters. And if there's one thing I know, twins know how to annoy the other sibling more than anything. <laughs> because they just, they just know how each other work and they can gang up on you. And it's just, it's not brilliant. It's not brilliant. I'd rather be a twin <laughs> than have twin siblings. Anyway, uh, now, seven mouths to feed, obviously five including the parents, that can be expensive, which really doesn't help when you're poor. And uh, even in today in the UK, you'd be hard-pressed in making your universal credit stretch, and that's with government backing. But back in 1950s America, that help was not brilliant. Even today in America, it can cost between 10 to 30 grand to have a child. That's without any complications you might have, let alone raising them, putting them in clothes and feeding them. You know, the basics to raising a human. Can you imagine? I do find it mental that to reproduce in America, you have to, like, pay. You have to be sit down with your partner and say, Can, do we have 30, like, 20, 30 grand to be able to do this? Yeah, yeah. Well, as you were referring to your Parks and Rec, uh, where, like, having, literally just having spreadsheets of being like, can I afford to have a child? Can I afford to procreate? <laughs> it's mental absolutely mental yeah no it's absolutely baffling that you'd spend between 10 to 30 grand each for a child and that's without any complications Mm. in which case twins might be beneficial just like bang out two at once you got two kids for the price of one (laughs) yeah (laughs) now lester and betty were rather poor the only way they were able to put food on the table was working the carnival circuit selling sweets alcohol and other soft drinks This infrequent employment status meant that money was tight and tensions could often be high between the two. They would often take their two sons with them on the circuit to help, but would regularly leave their daughters back at home with friends, family or neighbours. They were concerned for the safety of their daughters in the carnival scene and wanted them to have some stability with school and a home base, which is 
relatively fair enough. I imagine they expected the boys would continue in the circuit and the girls can, you know, be more homely. Um, now, for the girls back in Indiana, their childhood was relatively happy. Uh, Sylvia and her sisters, they liked to skate, dance. Um, they liked all the newest music of the time, particularly the Beatles. Sylvia wasn't too fussed with school herself. She passed her classes, but much preferred to play outside with her friends and her younger sister, Jenny, who she had a very strong bond with, which sometimes spilled over to being overprotective. Uh, now, although Sylvia was not interested in her academics and enjoyed being a kid, don't we all, she did have a keen sense of the grown-up world and how harsh it could be. She had seen her parents struggle and so would take the initiative to help iron neighbours' clothes for them to make a couple of extra quid. Uh, she'd run errands for them. She'd even babysit for the neighbours as well. Um, all of this just to make a wee bit of cash on the side, which often she would then give to her mum as like a little cut of her pay and say, Leah, mum, here's a couple of dollars or whatever I've made. Um, so she was regarded as, you know, a kind, friendly, thoughtful young woman at the age of 16. So on Saturday, July 3rd, uh, Sylvia, who is 16, her sister Jenny, who is a year younger at 15, uh, they're walking down the high street with their mum, Betty. It's a hot day and Betty's getting hot and bothered. She and her two daughters go into a local clothes shop and head to the changing rooms where Betty changes into a pair of shorts picked out from the store. With the blessings from the girls over the new shorts, Betty stuffs the shorts into her purse and tells the girls to make a move out of the shop. But just outside the door, Betty's arm is grabbed by a shop worker who asks her to turn out her purse and reveals the stolen items. Betty's then taken away in a police van but gives the girls two dollars and tells them to get themselves something to eat and that she'll be home soon. Now this had happened before, so Sylvia and Jenny knew not to panic so much. Mum will be home again soon, she was last time, and to a kid, why wouldn't this be any different? The girls just spent under half of that money on ice cream, and then remembered they were supposed to use it for dinner, so Jenny and Sylvia spent that night at home, alone, and with half-empty bellies. <laughs> um, but they, but they had, had ice, cream. ice cream. Yes, exactly. That kid mentality. Like, well, I want ice cream. And then not. there's no forethought. Um, which reminded me of uh, a, st a story from when I was a kid. Um, my mum had given my cousin and I 10 crisp pounds and were given the electric key uh, and told to go to the corner store and go put 10 pounds on the key. Do you ever remember electric keys to power your house? Is this where you like pay your b p p pay bills and stuff? Yeah, pretty much. So you you literally had like a, a little uh, key, um, which you then mm. took to your local corner shop, and you gave them ten pounds. You said, "I like ten pound electric, please." And then they go, "Okay." Then they'd plug the key into this like machine, and then program in you know ten pounds worth of electric, and then give that back to you. And then you'd walk home, go into like your garage or whatever. You'd plug it into basically the house, and that would give you your electric. And so, like, quite frequently when I was growing up, you would run out of electric. Like, you'd just be sat at home on the PlayStation playing, I don't know, Abe, and then all the internet and the lights would turn off. Everything just shut off. And you'd, oh, and my mum, you'd hear my mum mm. downstairs just going, oh, fuck's sake, because she's forgotten to go get some electric. <laughs> this used to be a thing. See, we, n we never had this, or as far as I can remember, we never had this, but someone at uni, like a good friend of mine, had it at uni, and I'm talking 2017. And... 
like I, she was telling she she'd be in the shower and then all of a sudden it would just go freezing cold and she'd have to run down to like the shop mid shower and like buy some yeah. hot water and I don't mean buy a bucket of hot water I mean like physically top up her hot water amount yeah, on no, the meter. No, this was the same for me. I was like, what century yeah, is there this? Was the gas electric card. Uh, there was a gas card and then the electric key. And you'd often, often my mum would just send me and my sisters to literally, it was only around the corner, two minutes around the corner, like send us to the local co- corner shop. It was a cost cutter. And it'd be, go and get some electric and uh, put f- put £5 on electric, put £5 on gas. And that's how you'd power your house. Mm. That's mad, isn't it? And how like now you just pay one bill uh, and you just get electric and it just it never runs out unless yeah. you don't pay your bill but um so yeah my mum has given me and my cousin a 10 crisp pound note and told to go put 10 pound on the electric key so uh we made our way to the shop popped into the local cost cutter uh and asked for 10 pound on the electric key but for some reason and i don't know why i think maybe the machine wasn't working that day uh we were rejected and told that we couldn't get our £10 on the electric key. So instead of coming home having failed our task, we thought it would make more sense to buy everyone their favourite sweets with the £10 that we've been given. (laughs) (laughs) We thought, you know, that would cheer them up for not being able to have electricity. You know, we'd be sat in the dark, but we'd be eating sweets, you know? (laughs) Mm. Um, But uh, you'd be be surprised to learn that when I came home and I told my mum, that didn't go down very well. (laughs) Who has now... That's so innocent, though. You meant so well. Like she's now ten pound down with nothing to show for it but dip dabs and Turkish delights. But you know what I mean. (laughs) We meant well. We're like, oh, sorry, mum, couldn't get you electric, but I've bought you ten pounds worth of Turkish delight. You know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's such an innocent (laughs) kid thing. But yeah, that genuinely happened to me, and um, my mum was very, very angry. But I got lots of sweets sat in the dark, so that's fine. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, after their lonely night at home, the next day. There was still no sign of mum. Sylvia and Jenny seized the day. They were walking around feeling a sense of freedom that kids get when they're unsupervised. There were no parents to stop them that day. Their mum was sat in a cell for petty theft and their dad was living in a home, living in his hometown of Lebanon, 30 miles away, having split from their mum just three weeks prior. So the girls met up with a friend called Darlene, uh, who was with another girl that they didn't know very well, but they were aware of her. Her name was Paula Banachewski. Now, Banachewski is a name that is going to crop up because it's a big part of this story. So remember the name Banachewski. Paula was age 17. Now, they headed to Paula's house where she lived with her six other siblings, Stephanie, who was 15, John, 12, Marie, 11, Shirley, 10, James, 8, and Dennis Lee Jr., 1, along with their single mother, Gertrude Banachewski who was aged 37, although she preferred to be called Gertrude White, the name of her last partner who had fathered her youngest son. Now, Gertrude was not exactly... She'd not exactly had the easiest start. Growing up in a working-class family during the Great Depression of the 1930s meant living on the breadline. Now, Gertrude didn't get on with her mother, but adored her dad. And unfortunately, when she was just 11 years old, she watched him die from a heart attack, which is not very nice, and I imagine quite, oh yeah, it's quite no, triggering not for an 11-year-old to see. So when she finished school at the age of 16, she met her first husband, John Banachewski, who was at the time 18 years old. They married pretty quickly. Their marriage wasn't perfect. There were frequent clashes with some allegedly ending in violence. 
and she bore him four children, the oldest being Paula, now a friend to Sylvia. They were together for 10 years before Gertrude asked for a divorce. For reasons unclear, she married, remarried rather quickly to a man named Edward Guthrie. And I mean, like, almost within a year, quickly, right? Now, I don't know, mm. maybe she was having a fling with him on the side and thought that the grass would be greener on the other side, but it definitely was not. Edward Guthrie was not interested in Gertrude's kids at all. It didn't last long. I'm not joking, Jane. It lasted a matter of months before she left him and returned to her now ex-husband, who she lived with for a further seven years after remarrying him and then having two more children. So that didn't work out. It's almost like oh, he wow. was, it's almost like he expected no. it. And then he was like, you'll come back. You'll come running back. And then she went to Edward Guthrie and was like, look, let's do it. Let's just do it. I've left him. And he's like, yeah, that's great, but I don't want your kids. I don't want that. And she's like, well, it's me and the kids. I'm not at all. And he's gone, do you know what? Not at all. Now, <laughs> come 1963, she's divorced her, her first husband, John, again. And once again, quickly right. found another lover in a man called Dennis Lee Wright, who was over 10 years her younger <laughs> Uh, he was, I believe, 22 when she got with him, and she was over in her 30s, so fair dues to her. Now, she mm -hmm. began to use his name of White, possibly to stick it in the face of her ex, but within a year of them being together, she bore him a son, her youngest, Dennis Lee Wright Jr. But Dennis Sr., nah, I don't think fatherhood was for him. Literally, just as soon as the sunlight touched his son's head, he was out there. He went running. He left. He abandoned them straight away, which really seriously pissed mm. off Gertrude. You know, she's she's now re-divorced her once-divorced husband by her, uh, run off with another man, had a kid with this man, and he's just gone off fucked off again. But uh, she was like, yeah. I'm not having it. I'm not having that. I've got fucking seven kids now and uh, no one to help me look after them. She filed for childcare support from this man, uh, which she won. Uh, Dennis Sr. was supposed to play child support, but not that he was very reliable and didn't often make the payments. Now, Gertrude mm. was not a well-put-together person, right? She was tough, sure. She's raising seven kids on her own. Uh, and with her eldest, Paula, who's having to take a lot of the strain now. She's 17, so, you know, why not? But alongside having to take odd jobs, working up to, I'm not joking, James, 16 hours a day, uh, doing things like that's a long day that's a long for day. a mother of seven right she's doing 16 hours a day doing things like ironing the neighbor's clothes for extra dollars uh, she's babysitting and she's working as a vendor at the local speedway uh, in indiana which is it's got a very famous speedway the indiana speedway i think is a very yeah i think i've heard of that famous one uh, <laughs> and there was like a 500 mile race there uh during this era um, and she worked as a vendor, issuing out like hot dogs and things like that. I think. So yeah, she's working mm. hard, man. She's she's doing she's doing a lot. Um, and she'd also had a mental breakdown after the birth of her second child, Stephanie. Now, mental health issues would continue to plague her throughout, but she'd also contended with at least six miscarriages throughout her life. The last one coming literally just months before, in April, around the same time. Her eldest Paula had also run off with a with a married man for two months and then came back pregnant. 
So, you know, she's just had to pick right back up where she left off and then resumed her 16-hour day alongside raising seven kids, smoking like a chimney, despite her having chronic asthma, with one of the daughters has just come home after running away with a madman who's now pregnant, and you think, oh, fuck's sake, just give us a break. Do you know what I mean? It's hard, man. Yeah, yeah man. I fully agree so that. She's not had it best. She's not had it best, you know? Not that I'm excusing anything, because we don't know what's going on. But at five foot six... And barely weighing a hundred pounds, which for us in the UK is seven stone, which that's small. Like mm. she is small and light. She was described yeah. as haggard, underweight, and looking at least ten years older than her thirty-seven years. So she's um yeah, she's not doing great, right? So Gertrude was used to having kids in and out the house with her brood of seven always bringing round friends. She may as well have had a revolving door as her front door, because it was very rarely closed. Now, another two girls being brought back into the Banachewski house by Paula was hardly out of the ordinary. Luckily, although not that it had much difference, two of the Banachewski kids were away. John and Stephanie were with their father for a trip. Now, with still no word from... Um, uh, Sylvie's mum, Betty, Sylvie and Jenny were offered to stay the night at the Banachewski's house instead of staying at home another lonely night, potentially without any dinner. So Sylvie and Jenny, they were excited. They were, they were talking with Paula, uh, who's now pregnant, about how they would, they would work for her to help keep her new home clean that she'd go on to live in, saying that she's going to get paid $5 a week which she would then use to pay Sylvie and Jenny to like clean her house and they'd hang out all the time and it'd be a really good fun time and they've got a baby and they can look after it all together. Uh, so they were getting all excited about that. Uh, and they were also excited to stay up till midnight because it was the little girl Shirley Banachewski's birthday the next day. So at midnight, that'll be the birthday. She's going to be 10. So they're all excited for staying up about that. So... You know, and sleepovers are fun. Like, do you remember sleepovers when you're a kid? They're fun, man. I used to... Oh, oh they're it. so you much fun. sit up all night playing PlayStation. Oh, it's the best time. Having, like, a glass of Coca-Cola. Yeah, playing games. Yeah, yeah watching films. Love that. Yeah, Now, absolutely. that night, there was a knock on the front door of the Banachewski house by two men. Now, naturally, all the girls were, like, staring out the window, being like, oh, my God, who is it? Who is it? Only when Jenny recognised it was her dad, Lester, and her eldest brother, Danny, who was 19 years old. They'd come the 30 miles from Lebanon because they couldn't seem to get hold of Betty, who is Danny's mum. They'd stopped by the house, but nobody was in. That was when they were told by a neighbour where the young girls were. Lester had asked the girls about their mother, finding out that she'd been arrested. Now, leaving the girls in the care of Gertrude, he and his son headed back out in search for her. They returned some time later, but to no avail. They'd been told by the police that Betty was released earlier that day, but nobody had heard from her since. Gertrude offered them a place to stay for the night, you know, just stay on the couch, like, you know, get some sleep and uh, resume your search in the morning. And so, you know, they took up the offer. Lester had explained how he'd got himself a new job working a stand on the Indiana Carnival tour and he wanted Betty to join him. The plan would then be to send his daughters to his mother's house in Lebanon while they're away. Now, having had a few drinks that evening, Lester opened up to Gertrude, confessing his love for Betty and the children. 
maybe this new job in e indiana carnival circuit was going to be the thing to help kickstart that marriage and that's why he'd come down to find her so gertrude who's working you know 16 hours a day she's got seven kids running in and out the house needing feeding plus the neighborhood kids who keep knocking that and paula's expecting herself saw an opportunity the next morning lester continued to search for his wife she was holed up at her parents home and he'd explained that there was a new job offer and expressed that he wanted his wife to join him she accepted and they headed back to the banachewski house to collect sylvia and jenny gertrude then explained how it would make more sense for the girls to stay with her while they were away until november now this is as i say this is july so this is the whole summer she's offering <clears throat> stay with her for the whole summer mm. right? Uh, they wouldn't need to be kept away from their schooling. They could keep doing that when they need to. Uh, they'd, they'd, they'd be near their friends. They wouldn't be taken away from their friends. And Gertrude would look after them as if they were her own, she said. All she asked for in return was simply $20 a week just to cover her costs and, you know, a wee bit extra for her. Which, you know, Lester and Betty hardly took a second to think about. It made sense. Gertrude had her own kids who she'd managed to bring up herself. What's another two kids who, at, you know, 16 and 15, are almost self-sufficient by this point, so it shouldn't be too much of a strain for her. Now, if Gertrude wants to take on the extra mouths, why not take her up on it? It would make sense. You know, Le Lester had also stayed there the evening in the living room. Everything seemed fine to him, so he plucked out $20 from his wallet in advance and promised every week to send $20 in the post. They said goodbye to the girls, who were elated, and left promising to see them again soon. Finally, before parting ways, Lester said to Gertrude, quotes, You'll have to take care of these girls with a firm hand, because their mother has let them do as they please. What they didn't see was how much of a state the Banachewski house was in. There was, no, there was no stove or oven in the kitchen, just a single hot plate to heat up food. Upstairs, although there were room for everyone, just... There wasn't actually enough beds for everyone. In fact, the night that Lester and his son Danny had slept in the living room, Sylvia and Jenny upstairs had to share a single mattress that was laid out on the floor, and they shared that room with three other Banachewski kids. And the house was in no fit state for the girls to be staying in, let alone Gertrude's own kids. But Lester and Betty, they didn't check out the living conditions. As Lester later said, quotes, I didn't pry. The Lycans would soon regret their comments to Gertrude about Heavy Hand and their failure to check out the environment their daughters would be living in. Which, if I could just take a second now, I don't care how many kids you've got or, like, you know, how rushed or whatnot you feel. You don't just leave your kids at some fucking random woman's house you've never met and, one, you don't leave them there without at least checking out the living conditions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that is neglect on their part. <laughs> it's neglect on their part. Um, I find that baffling that... Obviously, spoiler alert, I mean, it's part of the whole damn episode. Sylvia is not going to come out of this very, very well. And naturally, obviously, the parents are victims. Of course, they're victims. The whole family is a victim as Sylvia is a victim. But you can't help but feel that had just a few extra precautions been taken, this could be avoided. Had Lester had a quick look around the house, said, so, okay, can you just show me where the girls are going to be sleeping? 
and then go upstairs and find there are not enough beds, you go, do you know what? I'm going to send it to my mum's. Thank you. I, I appreciate the offer, but I'm going to send it to my mum's. It definitely you know seems I mean? that way. They, he, right. I don't see any reason to not check it out. Because that's any sane parent would do that. They would be making sure their child is in the best possible environment. Yeah, exactly. You'd think so. Any sane parent would do it. And yet, he said in the court case afterwards, I didn't pry. Like, that was their attitude. I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to pry. It's like, well, you're about to leave one of your most prized possessions with someone. You'd want to check in what condition they're going to be staying in. I don't care. Like, if it was my child, I mean, I, I don't know. It's easy. I suppose it is easy for us to say this, but, you know, we can we could talk about neglectful parents until the cows come home. You've got bloody Karen Matthews with, with, her, with her kid. Do you remember the Karen Matthews story? No. Karen Matthews was that uh, the the woman who lived in a council house and uh, her daughter Shannon Matthews went missing, and there was a massive national wide like hunt for Shannon Matthews. Where is she? Where is she? Karen Matthews, the mother, had been gifted all sorts from uh, well wishers, um, you know, money and uh, people going out searching for her. The, the local news and ITV news and all the big news sites all came to her house to try and help out. Uh, the local superstore Asda. They they gave her I think it was like four hundred dollars, uh, four hundred pounds worth of shopping. Like basically they said to her, fill your trolley, just fill your trolley and you can have it. Like just take it home for your kids and whatnot. Mm. And we were, we hope you find your daughter. Do you want to know where Shannon where? was? Shannon Shannon was hid under the bed in her uncle's house. They knew exactly where she was the whole time. It was the whole like big fucking uh prank not prank but like she was trying to get something out of how it have i not heard of this and used her daughter for that yeah how was she dead heard of this? we would definitely do an episode no she was not dead she's alive oh. yeah yeah and they were all in it i think it was uh and then and then and then yeah we'll do an episode we'll talk about it another time and then there's the arguably the most neglectful parents on the planet oh yeah uh the yeah. McCann's who, um, for some reason, because they're upper middle class and doctors of a profession, they get away with child And neglect. have since made a lot of money out of the loss of their daughter. A lot of Which, money. I don't care if they did yeah. it or not, that's besides the point. You don't profit on it. Mm. Yeah, now, like you said, uh, I'm not here to say whether they did or didn't have anything involved with their daughter's disappearance. Uh, but, had a, had a parent of my social status, i.e. a working class, had a parent of my social status, left their child in their villa and then gone to have dinner with friends, regardless of the fact that you're going back every half an hour to check on them, my people people of my social class would get absolutely ripped into oh, by sure. the public. But because they're upper middle class and they're doctors and whatnot, the media doesn't seem to give a shit like about that and they now portray them to be the victim which of course they are the victim they've lost one of their most prized possessions of course but nonetheless had you not been leaving your child alone it may not have happened no absolutely not but i don't know there's theories about that maybe an episode at some point but yeah that's that is neglect oh 100 percent it is an episode. There is a documentary series on Netflix. So we, we what we'll do is we'll watch the whole series. I've seen and we'll it. Have an opinion and of, about it. And I, I about was it. I was underwhelmed. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. The well, first episode is literally just a massive advert for having a holiday in the Algarve. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. And I was baffling that how much money they've made out of it and book deals and all kinds of yeah. stuff like that. So yes. Um, 
yeah, Leicester, Lycans and Betty not doing a brilliant job so far in terms of leaving one of the most prized possessions in the hands of someone they've only just met. Now, a church-going person, although not particularly devout, Gertrude, along with the kids, would often go to the church, followed by Sunday school. Sylvia, known to have her Bible with her, would gladly go along with her sister Jenny by her side, and the first few weeks with the Banachewski family was pretty uneventful. Sylvia and Jenny were still in the excitement stage of being in another house for the, with their friends. It was like an entire summer of sleepovers, and what kid wouldn't be excited by the idea of that? Mm-hmm. Sylvia was friendly, she was polite, and within a few days got right stuck into it with the household chores, often being the only one to do anything in the house, and received about as much gratitude as it uh, than Cinderella. Now, <laughs> Sylvia had lost a front tooth as a child when she collided headfirst with her brother. Because of this, she'd learnt to smile with her mouth shut. But that often meant that people interpreted her for being somewhat sassy and smug. For Gert- mm. You know that brace smile? People with braces learn this yeah. smile. You know, and then yeah. and then I'll tell you what, James, it's one of the things that like, you know, when we were talking about just enjoy the little things, this is one of those little things that like if you had a box of just like something that's quite nice, I'd open up my box and one of them would just be people who've just had their braces taken off smiling. Honestly, I, you never you never see people as happy as people who've just had their braces off smiling for the first year. They can't stop smiling. <laughs> so when I have my braces, I I still do it now. I taught myself to smile. Like, I can still open my mouth, but like I don't show my teeth. It's really weird. Weird, yeah. <laughs> it's really strange. Oh, to be fair, I don't smile much, but <laughs> that's just to know don't depression know much to probably. Smile about, but... isn't it? <laughs> How long did no. you have braces for? Uh, a couple of years. Damn, yeah, man. Like a couple of years. Yeah, they were they weren't that bad. To be fair, like it just is what it is. And I was supposed to wear a retainer for like two years, but. I think I did it for about three months and then thought, nah, can't be bothered. And they haven't moved back, so. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, unfortunately, uh, uh, Sylvia had no tooth there, so she had learnt to uh, smile her mouth. So she did, uh, as I say, come across as being sassy and smug. Now, for Gertrude, seeing a beautiful young woman who had a lot of potential in life sort of taken over from her maybe made her feel a bit inadequate. See, when Gertrude was 16... She was well, newly married. She'd have a family soon. Um, her eldest, Paula, who is now 17, well, she's knocked up by a married man who wants absolutely nothing to do with her. And then there's Sylvia, 16 years old with no worries of the such. She's looking smug all the time, looking all beautiful, and she has prospects. Gertrude's warped mind maybe feels as though an injustice has occurred. You know, she's beginning to feel pressure at home maybe mentally weak for a time you know she's she's had Mm. issues before so maybe this is something that's starting to like she's maybe she's having like a mental lull um you know she's used to having the kids in and around the house but for some reason it's now really starting to grind her gears and she's beginning to struggle to pay her 55 dollar a month rent even with lester lichens 20 dollars a week on top now that's a stress that we all know and can sympathize with money stress is one of the worst stresses there is out there yeah absolutely like we've all well you james you and i we've been students we've had issues with like finances trying to figure that out after university 
oh man, it's it's mm. one of the worst things. It's yeah. absolutely awful. There's been times where I remember, I think the lowest it ever got to me is I had like 15 pounds left mm. and I had to survive for like a week, a week and a half and it's doable. And I went to uh, my local Lidl and as I was walking around the shop, I had my calculator on my phone, just yeah. like adding up everything I was buying to make sure I could afford it. Yeah. Like that was bleak. That was really, really bleak. I've done it too. I mean, for, for me personally, for, for anyone listening, if you have any money problems, you can you can sort it out. It can be fixed. It's not the end of the world, right? It can You can get through it. For me personally, one of the lowest moments for me, payday was the worst day uh, that could ever come around for me every month payday i'd sit there and on on some occasions it got so bad i could sit there and cry about finances this is supposed to be you know relatively a quite fun day you've just been paid you like, oh what can i buy mm. i was sitting there thinking how much have i got left kind of thing like you know oh awful awful but you can get through it so if you're listening and you've got some money issues like you can get through it you can work it out speak to friends always speak to friends and family about your money issues and try and get some help yeah now as I say, uh, Gertrude, she's struggling with money. So she's having a few stressy things. She's got the ha- the kids are just constantly in the house, like that revolving door of kids just in and out, in and out. And she's ha- she's feeling stressed. She's got money issues. You know, that, um, you know, she's, as I say, she's got constant kids wandering in and out the home, making noise, eating the food that would then have to be replaced, which costs money. You know, it got to the point where sometimes, quite often, Gertrude would just scream at the kids to get out of the house. Just scream at them. Be like, fuck off. Just get out. And they'd just leave. They'd flee like fucking, you know, rats. Just gone. You know? Leave her on her own. Mm. Now, this was often just to give herself some space. You know? What she needed was space, clearly. She needed a lot of it. Um, So, for the kids, their daily sort of, sort of routine would be the mornings beginning with breakfast, which usually required... Um, two slices of bread which was then made into toast so essentially a loaf a day would be used to feed all of those kids and then Gertrude would likely scream all the kids would leave the house for the day usually heading to the park to play now Sylvia had been taught by her dad that you can resell used soft drinks bottles uh, for cash Uh, and this was uh, a tip that she had taught the other kids so often trips to the park involved looking for bottles and then cashing them in. And then in the evening, back at the Banachewski house, dinner would consist of just a bowl of soup. Man, like, these kids are going to be underweight, a wee bit malnourished. Yeah. They're just eating fucking toast and soup, like, all day. It's not not ideal. So after a few weeks, Lester's $20 checks began to come a little late, one or two days behind, which is understandable due to the roaming nature of his job. The checks can come from all parts of the state, taking varying times to get to their destination, but this was completely unacceptable for Gertrude. She began to take it out on Sylvia and Jenny. On one occasion, not entirely sure as to why, Gertrude dragged both the girls up the stairs and slapped Jenny, screaming, quotes, Well, I take care of you two bitches for a week for nothing. The next day, Lester's cheque came through the post. So, I, I don't know why, but she's getting stressed and she feels like she's going to take it out on those two girls. Maybe because they're not her kids, she feels like she can. But, uh, yeah, it's not going well. Mm. And that this was the first time that violence was introduced by Gertrude 
and it wouldn't be the last time. In fact, it would only escalate from there. And that is where we will pick up next time. Seems like it's about to get violent. Oh, James. Oh, James. The level of depravity that is about to happen to these children is almost... I mean, it's inexcusable. There's abs- there is absolutely no justifying it at all. Um, what I don't want is uh, for listeners, when we when we listen back to these episodes, and maybe if you listen to part one and part two at the same time, to think that what I'm doing is trying to justify or uh, understand Gertrude's reasonings for doing things. But that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is just give us context. Context is so so important. Um, yeah, things that Gertrude is about to do is just not not brilliant. Uh, but you're going to take a little while to find out because um, you're not having part two next week. No. What are we having next week? Uh, so next week we're going to get real philosophical up in here. Um, I can't tell you what, what philosophers we're going to talk about because that would spoil it. And also I don't know. But we're, I think the I'll, I'll give you a rundown of what the episode is going to be in my mind. I think there'll be various philosophers that we discuss. We discuss their backgrounds and how that may have influenced their outlook on life and their like general message towards things. I think we'll stay away from ancient philosophers like your Diogenes who we've done and your Plato's and all that. I think we'll, I think we'll steer clear mm-hmm. of that. Um, we'll, we'll probably look more uh modern and you know what i mean modern philosophers i th- i think potentially who knows yep. but yeah it's going to be a very philosophical philosophical episode where i'm sure we'll delve into many many amazing conversations and if you want to be part of that conversation we'll be here next friday all right yeah we've got that to look forward to next week we're going to talk some philosophy we're going to get deep that's what she said um deeper and deeper <laughs> I recently watched that episode where corporate came into the office and like he had to then like retire from comedy saying stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. And then you just got Jim being like, that must be so hard for you. And it's like, do you think you can really (laughs) go all day long where you always left me satisfied and smiling? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. So yes, um, that was our prelude or part one bit part. Yeah. The bit before the shit bit. of uh sylvia there was a lot to take in there there's a lot of a lot of Um, names there's a lot of names yes there are a lot of names and they will feature more in the next episode so they do have to be mentioned um so yes there's a lot of information there dear listener um all right so uh for you guys at home i hope you enjoyed it i hope you've had a nice christmas i hope you had a nice new year regardless of what plans you had i know around the world there's varying rules and whatnot so i hope no matter Mm. what it was you've managed to enjoy it Uh, i think i saw a wonderful tweet earlier and i i i think people need to hear this that 2021 i believe or not i believe but what the tweet was and i do believe this actually is going to be an exact reversal of 2020 so in 2020 the first few months were great and the rest of the year was awful i think the first few months of 2021 are going to be awful and by this time next year we'll all be sitting there thinking life's pretty great right now so if you are in a low place and you are struggling just Always remember that it is going to get better and just keep talking about how you're feeling. Because even if people are going through more than you, it's okay to feel shit. You're allowed to feel shit. Absolutely. I'm so bored of seeing these fucking tweets being like, you're not in the trenches, this isn't World War One. Like, fuck mm. off. People are allowed to be sad. Mm. No, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, keep keep going. Um, we'll get there. 
absolutely. I think that's a really good message there, just for everyone in general. If you're feeling shit and you're worried about someone else's shit, stop worrying about other people's shit. Worry about your own. Um, you know, you can say. I, I personally, I'm not a fan of. Uh, uh, it's 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 worse for other people, or other people have it harder, and it's like I don't care. Like I'm not that person right now. This issue is my issue, and I'm dealing with it. So. You, know. you can only face the problems in front of you. Exactly. And for sure, help others as well, but make sure it's not at the detriment of yourself. Absolutely. So yeah, be kind. Start the start year right. If you have any resolutions, I hope you stick to stick to them for at least two weeks and then that's allowed to you're allowed to give up after two weeks. Um I so, hope yeah. um everyone's taking part in Veganuary or Veganuary. I don't know how to say that word. Going vegan for January. Veganuary. Oh, I see. Veganuary. Veganuary sounds better to me. Basically, it's January and vegan mixed together, and everyone goes vegan for that month and see if they can do it. So, if you are and you want some tips, drop us a message and I'll, I'll help you out. If you don't want to do it, that's uh, okay, I guess. I don't know. Just sleep well. <laughs> sleep with your morals all over the place. <laughs> sleep well with your murder sat in your belly. Yeah. Bastards. <laughs> no, I don't hate you. I don't hate you. I just think I'm better than you. Brilliant. All right, uh, all right, guys. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, make sure you join us next week. We'll be talking about philosophy. Uh, join us in two weeks, and we will be uh, going over part two of this story. So, yeah, look forward Wonderful. to that. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Oh, um, make sure you find us on all the social media platforms if you've not already. Um, we're going to try to be a bit more um, active, I should say. Uh, I found like a new app where I can get cool Instagram stories, so I'm making cool ones there. Um, oh, is that how you've done it? I've wondered where these have come from. Oh, like yeah, some yeah, of them have been quite artistic. Some of them have been quite artistic, haven't they? Yeah, no, I've had a lot of help. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> uh, look forward to that. Um, if you can, any platform that you are listening to us on, make sure you drop us a review, give us a five star, even put us a dot, a full stop or something, just as a comment, whatever it is. It just gets us known out there. And the more people, the better listening. So yeah, do that. And if you fancy giving us a wee donation for the new year, you can head us at www.ko-fi forward slash that's what people do. And you can give a one-time donation there. Um, it's not a subscription. It's just a one-time little thingy my what's it. Right. Thank you very much for listening. Join us next week. I love you. Bye-bye. Peace.